You're listening to The Birdbath, presented by The Fountain Report. I'm your host, Ryan Leach. Welcome back to The Birdbath. Each week, we scrape the surface of the news you need to know, so let's get into it live from Vegas. Our top story this week is actually a super interesting one covering AI, and we are joined by this co-founder and CEO of Digital, Sebastian Gabor, to talk about an AI survey that they just released in collaboration with AHA. So, Sebastian, why don't you tell us what's going on and, and what the survey found out? Hi, Ryan. Thanks for having me. So 12 months ago, we started as hopefully probably any other company in the space, trying to look at what's ChatGPT, how is that helping us? And we started implementing it in all the departments in the company. But then afterwards, there was the idea, like, how do we get this in the hands of the veterinarians? And yeah. the challenge there was that there were started having so many misconceptions about how AI is being used and how it should be used. So what we ended up doing is we ended up in collaboration with AHA doing the 4,000 respondent survey that's not only as the veterinarians, but everyone in practice, so also vetics, uh, practice managers, and all the other roles that are there. But the whole idea was to understand at every level where can it be used and how can it be better shaped to serve AI today in Batman. So when people are looking at the, the white paper, which you guys put together, are they going to be able to find sort of, is it covering like actionable things that are happening within clinics? Are they understanding maybe what the landscape looks like, or were you more focused really on just how people currently are doing and utilizing AI? Firstly, firstly on the landscape, and then we went into a couple of uh, clear action items that people can take away from the study. But the main highlights is that the more people use it, the more uh, they enjoy it and the more optimistic they are about it. And 80% of the respondents actually tried it and are optimistic about AI. So when I was looking at the numbers, I saw there's about, what, 40% of people are using it in the clinics today. What was kind of the breakdown of what they're using it for? Did you guys get the numbers of like what they're using it for, who's using it, like what's the top utilization within practices? Yes, we did. And and not only that 40% use it, but almost 30% use it daily or weekly in their practice today, which is absolutely insane. And if you look at adoption levels in other industries, the veterinarians are now close to the adoption level of new technologies of computer programmers. Isn't that insane? That's insane. I mean, we're sitting in the digital booth right now, which is the cloud practice management software. And I think a lot of the time we still are talking to people about what the cloud is. Uh, so for people to yeah. understand that, that AI is there is pretty impressive. Yeah. But going back to the three big use cases that we found. So the first one that's highly appreciated is client education. So mm-hmm. being able to remove that friction process where you need to write things over and over again. Just AI can help you generate client personalized client education in a couple of seconds. Then the second part is helping with the dictation and taking notes. So that's another big component. And again, you've started seeing a lot of veterinarians talking about ambiental medical record keeping where you literally don't need to touch your computer. Mm. That's the second one that people are really excited. And the third one is clinical support, especially after a long, long day, having someone to quickly give you information at your finger based on what you're actually seeing in a patient's history. That's super, super powerful. So those are the three big ones that we mm. see a lot of excitement towards. Very cool. And so when people want to go back and look at it, where where should they be able to find out? Like, get the full download of this, get the infographics, take this back to the clinic. Where are they going to get the info? Apparently, if you go to our website, digital.com, you'll see all the information all on the show notes in the description. Awesome. So we'll put it there, digital.com. Now, I have another story that's about AI. And I, while I have you, I'd love to pick your brain about it. It's not vet specific. It's something that probably is going to change everyone's lives a little bit, which is OpenAI released a new tool called Sora. 
So for people that aren't familiar with it, and I think everyone now probably knows OpenAI for ChatGPT, which is any AI tool that you're using probably has some flavor of ChatGPT in it. But then also there's Dolly, which is ChatGPT's picture drawing or picture generation design tool. But Sora is their new video tool, which when I first saw it, I was actually flying here to Vegas and I saw a CNN story about it and they were showing the videos and I didn't believe that it was AI generated until I watched more about it. But what's going on? I mean, it's kind of crazy how incredible these videos are. What's what's the newest thing with OpenAI? Yeah, so I've been following this for years and the launch of Sora, just like it's another milestone in how AI will start getting embedded in our day-to-day lives. And I just want to repeat something for everyone is that AI won't replace jobs, but someone using AI will. And this tool now in the in the in the hands of producers, video producers and movie stars, it changes how they operate because they no longer need to do the minutiae and the small friction tasks, uh-huh. but they can focus on actually creating. And I was talking with people in the video producing and advertising is that for them, 80% of the job is editing standard sequences. And Sora would be able to replace all of that so they can actually focus on the high added value moments in the in the video. So I have to take it down to a what I call a birdbath size level for my brain, which I have to give Marquise Brownlee, who's an awesome YouTuber, um, credit. I'm going to link his YouTube video here. But he showed kind of what some of the videos were. And I think the thing that was really interesting when I was looking at it was, first off, when you're watching a video that Sora is putting out and you know that it's AI generated, yeah, you might see a little bit of fuzziness or you might see someone has, you know, six fingers or two, an extra arm or something. But when you don't know that you're looking at it, that's when it kind of gets crazy to me. You know, there's regulations, there's new laws that are coming out. What do you think now with video editing? You know, I remember we were worried about deep fakes. The U.S. were getting we're into a political year again, uh, which I think we're always in now. But what's the thing that people are going to be, you know, needing to think about? Or what regulations do you think are going to come from now video and moving images and people talking and, and all of that? What's the technology going to do to that? Right. That, that's a really good question. And if you if you think back of the study, that 60% of the people are concerned about the accuracy of AI and 50% are concerned about data security, which is amazing that people are asking the right questions. But going back to the Sora is that if you go now on OpenAI's Sora website, you're going to see that it's not available for the public. Ah. It's insane because they've worked on it for years and years and they're probably, now it's ready, they want to give it out there in the world to be used. But they're concerned about the fact that there's no regulation yet and no ability to fight against deepfakes. So what they're waiting to do is they're waiting for the new legislation to come out that forbids anyone to create a video without having any unique identifier for the video. Mm. And that's going to be the next big thing that needs to happen for them to actually release this mass market in a non-controlled environment. Awesome. Well, Sebastian, thank you. I think anyone that wants to know more about AI should definitely be following you on LinkedIn understand what you have going on. And for everyone that's trying to learn more about just how to utilize AI, check out the white paper. And Sebastian, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. On to our next story. Canine respiratory illness reports have dropped since autumn peaks. Now, in Colorado, we heard quite a bit and nationwide, we heard a lot about the spike of respiratory viruses amongst Colorado dogs. We heard about it in Oregon as well as quite a few other states. But what they've shown at Colorado State University is that the number of these reports have dropped since the peak in December of 2023. In early fall, veterinarians across Colorado started noticing an increase of their sick dogs into clinics. And we reported on it. And there's been differing opinions of whether or not we were actually seeing a 
increase of the number of respiratory illnesses or if we were seeing that there were more people hearing that there were respiratory illnesses and in turn bringing more dogs in for respiratory illnesses. So I've always been on the opinion here that it's been something that the news and myself included have maybe pushed more people to bring dogs in. But the data now that CSU is showing is that there has been a decline, which we've been hoping to see for quite a while. Trupanion also came out and showed that their analysts reviewed the overall number of company claims in the database and found that while rates of canine respiratory illness are up year over year, they've declined from the highs that they saw in July to October. So I would maybe not say that we're in the clear, but I would say that we have seen perhaps fewer people are finding that these respiratory illnesses are becoming a major issue as we discussed. For a little more serious and maybe criminal side of things, Covetris has pled guilty to misbranding veterinary prescription drugs. The pharmaceutical and veterinary giant has agreed to pay a $23 million criminal fine and forfeiture after it pled guilty to causing the introduction and delivery of misbranded veterinary prescription drugs into interstate commerce. The Department of Justice handed down this fine, and they said that Povetris had shipped more than $20 million in prescription drugs from non-pharmacy locations to those not authorized to receive prescription drugs. This is something that I, you know, personally have come across quite a bit as, you know, different practice providers and PIMS providers are looking to increase shipping and the home delivery of prescriptions. It's a highly regulated area. Um, and as part of this agreement, Covetris will forfeit more than $21 million in sales, and they're going to pay another million dollars in fines to the Virginia Department of Health Professionals. They're also paying another million dollars in fines, and they must implement and show that they put in appropriate compliance measures to prevent further violations. There's a new CEO in veterinary medicine. The largest insurance conglomerate in veterinary medicine has announced that Sharon Fernandez has been promoted to Chief Executive Officer of Independence Pet Holdings. Independence Pet Holdings is an affiliate of JAB Pet Holdings, which is the leading global pet insurance organization. They're the parent company, Independence Pet Group, Embrace, and Pumpkin. Now, we don't always announce new CEOs being brought into roles, but I think the reason why this is so important is when you understand the scale and breadth of coverage that IPH, as well as their, their company's Independence Pet Group, actually owns. So Independence Pet Group owns a very large list, and not to exclude Embrace and Pumpkin, but Independence Pet Group owns Figo, AKC Pet Insurance, ASPCA Pet Insurance, Pet Partners, Pets Plus Us, Third Party Pets, 24 Pet, Pet Cloud, Independence Pet Company, let me take a breath, Pet Point, Pet Place, Hartville Pet Insurance, Pet Key, Pet Health Inc., Chameleon, and finally Felix. So Sharon Fernandez has a large role of actually being the CEO of what now you could think of as 12 to 15 or more and a growing list of pet insurance providers. So uh, we're hoping to get a comment soon from the team at JAB. And when that comes through, we'll be sure to update the story with that. Now, if you want to know what else is going on here in Vegas, live from the conference floor of WBC, make sure to reach out to me directly. I'm going to be spending a ton of time with the team at Digital at booth 1885, and I'm going to be wandering around. So if you see me, make sure to wave, say hi, and let me know what is happening in Vegas. As always, we're linking some top stories, and if you want to learn more about these and other stories, 
join us by subscribing to The Fountain Report. There's always a link in the bio. And don't miss out on any episodes by subscribing and rating the show. For The Birdbath, Viva Las Vegas, I'm Ryan Leach, and see you next week.